Gracious God, without your word to water our hearts, they become dry and hard and fruitless. Lord, we need to hear you speak to us powerfully to show us what is good, to lead us in your way, and to teach us. God, in your mercy and goodness to us this morning, let your people hear your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Do you know the story of uh, Buridan's donkey? Any of you have heard the parable of Buridan's donkey? It's a, a parable named after a, a French philosopher named Jean Buridan. Uh, and it's named after him because they're making fun of him as a philosopher. Uh, the parable goes like this. There was a, a donkey that was on the verge of death, starving to death, dying of thirst. And this donkey is standing equidistant between a pool of water on one side and a big pile of hay on the other side. And because the donkey lacks the rational faculty to make a decision between the pile of hay and the pool of water, the donkey dies waiting to make the decision. End of story. Take that, John Burden, I guess. <laughs> Maybe thinking too much is a problem that we can make fun of philosophers for having. Most of us, the problem that we have is not that we take so long to make decisions that we die while we're waiting to make them. The problem for most of us is that we're constantly bombarded by all sorts of things to choose, right? Whether to use the three-pronged fork or steal, a, a, or, or steal something from the national forest, right? Or take a chess piece or whatever. There's this infinite non proliferation of choices into our lives. And our problem is that we find the things that we choose, the things that we decide for, end up making us not happy, not happy with the choices that we make. I think this is what makes the story of Mary and Martha in Luke chapter 10 compelling for me. Because here you've got an example of, of Martha making a choice, and I'm going to argue this morning that Martha makes a good choice, a, a great choice. She chooses what's good, but even in choosing that good thing, she finds that she's miserable in her decision. By God's grace, the climax of the passage is Jesus intervening and communicating with Martha and showing her the right way. He's showing her that as good as her choice was, there was a better one that she needed to make first in order that she might be happy, in order that she might be blessed. And so I invite you this morning to look at Luke chapter 10, verses 38 to 42 with me. This text treats Martha as a stressed out servant who gets redirected to the good portion in Jesus Christ. Verse 38 of our text introduces the scene. Now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. The first thing I want to point out at the beginning of this sermon 
is Martha's welcoming Jesus. And this welcome is especially important to notice as we, as we begin reading this text together because it communicates two things. The, the, first, it, the first thing it communicates is that this is a good thing that Martha does. Okay, welcoming Jesus, everyone, is good. It's a good thing to welcome Jesus. And it's especially good to welcome Jesus in this particular context in the Gospel of Mark. You see, Jesus has just begun a long trip that's going to consume 10 chapters from the middle of the Gospel of Luke. He's going to, he's going to be on this long trip from Galilee to Jerusalem, where in obedience to God's plan, Jesus is going to suffer rejection by the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem. He's going to suffer. He's going to be crucified. He's going to die and be buried. And then in fulfillment of God's plan, he's going to be raised from the dead. Jesus is on a mission from God for the salvation of the world. And as Jesus is on this mission, not everyone is going to welcome him. A lot of people aren't going to welcome him. Mary, Martha, rather, is the first person to welcome Jesus on his journey. This is a good thing. Martha welcomes Jesus. The second thing to note is that this act of welcoming Jesus, which is good, this good thing that Martha's, Martha does, is not like a modern-day uh, Airbnb-type thing, where you can, like, I welcome Jesus by leaving Jesus the key to my house under the mat. And it's like, please, you know, Jesus, if you use up all the milk, replace it before you, you leave, or something like that. No, 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 no. This is the first-century Mediterranean world. Mary is, Martha rather, is a, a woman who's a householder and welcoming Jesus, receiving Jesus as God's agent, receiving Jesus as receiving God, receiving, welcoming, implies showing extravagant hospitality. There are cultural expectations at play in this story that we need to remember. Martha is supposed to do stuff. One commentator describes it as hospitality in the fullest sense, involving considerable generosity and following all the rules. That sound like uh, some entertaining maybe you've done at your house or you've had people over to your home? There's going to be hospitality in the fullest sense. There's going to be considerable generosity and we will follow all the rules. Everything's going to be decent and in order as Martha welcomes Jesus. Verse 38, big idea is that Martha is doing a good thing, serving Jesus. But then there's a problem. And this is what we encounter in verses 39 and 40, where we find that not everybody is going to behave according to the rules. You see, in verse 39, Luke tells us Martha had a sister called Mary. And we think, great, Martha's not left by herself to do all this work of hospitality and serving. There's someone else to help her out in her good task, her sister, Mary. And yet Luke goes on to say that Mary does not follow all the rules. She doesn't behave as expected. She doesn't act as a sister to Martha. 
to help her show hospitality to Jesus and her good work. Instead, scandalously, Martha acts like a disciple of Jesus. Martha acts like a male disciple of Jesus. She doesn't do what a woman is supposed to do. She acts like one of the men who might come and hear Jesus teach. And so she occupies the position of a disciple in kind of a scandalous way. Look what she does, verse 39. She sits at the Lord's feet. It's a position of of submission, but willingness to learn. Like she's got her notepad out. She's ready to take notes. She's listening to Jesus. And she listens to his teaching. Literally, the text says, she kept listening to Jesus's word. Martha's doing a good thing, serving Jesus. But Mary kind of wanders off course, and she decides that she is going to attend to Jesus's word instead. All of a sudden, at the beginning of verse 40, you get this statement. Martha was distracted with much serving. Probably, instead of distracted, a better translation of that word is pulled in all directions. She's, she's pulled away in all directions at once with much good stuff that she's doing, with much serving. And the reason that she's pulled in all directions at once is because her sister, Mary, isn't doing her part, isn't helping her. And so Martha, who is doing good, who's doing what she's supposed to be, supposed to be, who's made this, this great choice to welcome Jesus and to serve Jesus and to minister to Jesus, gets overwhelmed and becomes bitter and angry and resentful. Martha is a servant in this text, and that's good, but Martha becomes a stressed-out servant in this text. And that is not good. Martha is stressed out with ministry. She's stressed out with doing a good thing. She's stressed out with welcoming and showing hospitality to Jesus. Something something has gone wrong with Martha. She knows it. And so she comes and she speaks to Jesus about it. Now, Luke doesn't fill out the account. He doesn't tell us about Martha looking across the room at at Mary and giving her stink eye, right? He doesn't talk about sighing. He doesn't talk about other ways that that, uh, Martha might have indicated her displeasure with her sister. All Luke shows us is Martha kind of losing it, where she runs into the room, past her sister who's sitting at Jesus' feet, and she lays into Jesus. She lets Jesus have it. Verse 40, Martha went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. Look at what's implied in Martha's statement. Jesus, 
you are acting like you don't care about me. That's what, that's what happens. She, she knows that Jesus is supposed to care about her, but Jesus is behaving in a way that indicates he doesn't care at all about what's happening. So Martha feels unappreciated. Martha's statement communicates something about Mary, who you'll notice she doesn't address directly. She, she talks to Mary through Jesus, referring to Mary as my sister, right? Not Mary, but my sister. In other words, the one with the familial obligation to be doing something other than what she's doing right now. That Mary, my sister, has left me, abandoned me to do this good work of service all by myself. Martha feels unappreciated by Jesus. Martha feels abandoned and isolated by her sister. Martha feels resentful. She has left me to serve all alone. I am the only one in this whole scenario, Jesus included, who's doing what they're supposed to be doing. I'm the servant. Jesus, fix it. Jesus, intervene. This is the demand of Martha, the stressed out servant, in the first part of our passage. It's a common pattern in scripture that you've got a problem introduced in one portion of a text, and then at the end you've got the solution introduced. And it's an even more common pattern in the Gospels that the solution is presented in a pronouncement by Jesus. And that's what you've got in this text is that Martha, the stressed-out ser servant, brings her problem to Jesus, and then Jesus is going to respond and present the solution. And that's what you've got in verse 41. The Lord, Jesus, answered her. It's really important, I think, when we look at this text, to note what Jesus does not do. First thing is, he, he doesn't do what Martha expects him to do. What Martha expects Jesus to do, I think, is say, oh my goodness, you're right. I'm so sorry. We, were, we got lost in conversation. What were we thinking? Mary, you should really go help your sister. And then it would get straightened out. That's what, that's what Martha expects. And of course, that isn't what happens at all. <laughs> if anything, Jesus exa fully exonerates, more than exonerates Mary, takes Mary's side. But it's also important to observe that Jesus doesn't shame Martha either. Jesus' response does not condemn Martha as though her service wasn't good. Some have argued this way. Some have argued that Martha, Jesus is, is, is hard on Martha. He's condemning Martha because Martha represents the person who's uh, consumed with worldly things and can't grasp spiritual things. She's like the unfruitful soil where the gospel gets sown on it and the thorns come up, right, and the cares of this world choke it so that it can't be fruitful. That's not what Martha is doing. Martha's not preoccupied with the things of the world. Martha's serving and welcoming Jesus. That's what makes her, 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 her situation so tragic. Others have argued Jesus condemns Martha and is hard on Martha because Martha can't embrace the fact that he loves her and she's trying to earn his favor by doing good deeds. 
Martha is an example of trying to achieve righteousness by doing good works. And that's not right either. Martha's done a good thing because she appreciates who Jesus is. She's welcomed Jesus and brought him into her house. No, the problem isn't with Martha's service itself. Whatever's wrong is something, something deeper than that. Something that's taken Martha's good service and turned it into something that stresses Martha out. And so what we've got in verses 41 and 42 is Jesus acting not so much as a judge as, as a compassionate physician. Jesus says in verse 41, Martha, Martha. He doesn't yell at her. He repeats her name, indicating, yes, I, I do care for you. And then he gives what's not so much a rebuke as a diagnosis. Martha, look at yourself. You are anxious and you are troubled. It's not about me. It's not about Mary. Something's going on with you that's made you anxious and troubled. Troubled literally means noised. She's like She's like a smooth pond that somebody's gone and thrown a bunch of rocks into so that the water gets all troubled. Martha's anxious and troubled. And the reason, Jesus says, the cause of the symptoms is that she is focused on many things, even many good things, but she's neglected the one thing that is indispensable. She's neglected the one thing that matters. She's neglected the one thing that will make her service fruitful. And what is that one thing? Jesus points to the one who's not doing what she's supposed to do socially, right? He points to, he points to Mary. Mary, Jesus says in verse 42, Mary has chosen the good portion which will not be taken away from her. They've tried to reflect it in English the, the way that it is in, in Greek. There's a pun, the word portion, right? It, the word just means part. But in a meal context, what's implied is that Mary's chosen the good piece of meat on the table. She's chosen the good dish. Mary's picked the best piece, and I'm not going to take it away from her, and I'm not going to let you take it away from her. Mary's chosen what's good. But there's a deeper meaning to chosen portion than that. If we look back in the Old Testament, the portion uh, there was a portion of land that was assigned to God's people during the, the period of the Exodus and then the conquest, right? God brought the Israelites out of Egypt. He brought them into the land, and then he gave them all portions of land, ancestral holdings, heritages. He gave them all parts. But for the people of Levi, the tribe of Levi, for the priests and the Levites, God said, they don't get any land. I'm their portion. 
I will be a portion for them. And subsequently in scripture, in the Old Testament, other writers pick up on this theme and speak this way of God to indicate their devotion to God. And so David and Asaph and others in the Psalms can say, the Lord is my portion. The Lord is the one thing that I have chosen. This is the one thing that's necessary. This is what Mary has done. Mary has seen Jesus welcomed into this house, this good thing, and Mary's become so overwhelmed with the fact that Jesus is here, that Jesus is accessible, that he's here, that she doesn't care about social expectations at all. She throws it all away. She leaves everything behind, and she goes and she sits at Jesus' feet, and she listens to Jesus talk. She listens to God talk. She's picked the one thing. She's chosen it. And her choice won't be taken away from her. Jesus never tells Martha to do anything. And this text doesn't tell us to do anything. What it does do is direct us to look into ourselves and to look at our choices and to ask ourselves, am I anxious and troubled? Am I fixated on many things, even many really good things? Am I busy with many good things? But have I neglected the one thing that makes those good things worthwhile, that makes those good things good? Martha's chosen to be with Jesus and to delight in Jesus and to listen to Jesus' word. And, and Mary, Mary's chosen this, and Mary, Mary is not anxious and troubled. Mary is at peace. Friends, this text is instructing us not to choose between Mary and Martha as though Martha's concern with service were somehow inferior to Mary's concern with the word. This makes nonsense of Jesus' teaching in Luke. The word of Jesus must be obeyed, and you obey Jesus' word by serving Jesus is a servant, and Jesus commands those who would be great in the kingdom of God to serve others, to become low, to, to show hospitality, to serve. But you've got to get the order right. Serve. Be Martha. But first be Mary. First sit at Jesus' feet. First delight in him. First, enjoy him. First, be served by him. And then, by all means, get up and serve, as Martha does. Be engaged in a service that is sustained by the word of Jesus Christ. 
our good portion. Let's pray. Thank you, Jesus, for assuming flesh, for becoming what we are and coming into our place. Thank you, O oh God, for locating us in a church this morning that welcomes you and receives you and seeks to serve you. Lord, I know that this morning there are many of us who are anxious and troubled because we've been preoccupied with many things, some of them good things, but not the one thing that matters most. Lord, please recalibrate us. Please reset us. Please redirect us so that we turn ourselves to you, to love you first, to delight in you first, to relish you first, and then to go out and serve and to serve with joy. Amen.